Why are there so many characters that we love to hate? And why do we love to hate them? What's up, Story Geeks? Thanks for joining us today on the Story Geeks YouTube channel. My name is Tim Wozny, and today we're going to be talking about characters who are written so that we hate them, and why they're so much fun to experience within a story. And thank you for listening in. The Story Geeks YouTube channel is produced by the Reclamation Society. Make sure that you subscribe for more in-depth perspectives on geek content. To begin with, I want to separate these characters from anti-heroes. These aren't roguish scoundrels or figures who we're supposed to love for their rebellious actions. These are very often villainous characters written to make us squirm, to elicit very real emotions. They provide a very important role of trying to tie us into the story emotionally. They make us angry, they make us uncomfortable, they make us as the viewer feel the very same emotions as the main characters. To explain what I'm on about, let's take a look at some of these figures from across the genres of nerddom, and then we'll come to one of the best usages of this narrative strategy, and perhaps from a place that you weren't expecting. And as we get into my short list of these figures, I want to start with one of the biggest sources of narrative anger in my childhood, the singularly evil Dolores Umbridge. She is introduced in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, and she immediately leaves her mark. She crosses lines of ignorance, racism, torture, and sheds all morality for political ambition. In the way her character is written, we experience all but the physical pain of I must not tell lies alongside Harry and the broader order of the Phoenix. It makes us a member of the group and part of the story. The hatred that fans have for King Joffrey Baratheon is something that actor Jack Gleason took with a lot of pride. He provides such a petulant and arrogant demeanor mixed with an endless sadism, and every scene leaves the viewer wondering when his next cruelty is going to come, and equally irritated by his ego and immaturity. He forces the viewer to experience Sansa's pain and fear, and the dread in the lives of everyone around him. And now we come to Homelander. And I do want to touch upon a caveat here in that I have not seen the second season of The Boys at this point. If my opinion changes in the next few weeks as I dive into the second season, I'll be sure to add an addendum in the description below. But I don't think that's going to be necessary. Homelander, throughout the first season, provides both the evil and madness of a true villain combined with a nostalgic charm and an endless ego of someone who perceives themselves to be a god. He is very successful at making the viewer outright uncomfortable and turns the stomach of both viewer and character alike. Now, if you are fans of any of these series, or if these characters remind you of other characters in series that I haven't mentioned, I'm willing to bet that this has just jogged some form of emotional reaction or memory. As a teen, Dolores Umbridge filled me with a fury that I have not felt for any other character in any other story. My mother can attest to me coming downstairs fuming about some chapter I had just read in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. King Joffrey Baratheon fills his audience with a very real dread, knowing surely something terrible is about to follow. And as we witnessed the Purple Wedding, we all then felt an equal sense of relief that his torment was over, only for it to be followed by that of Ramsay Bolton. 
Homelander fills this special, terrible place of just being a character who makes your skin crawl. As a viewer, it can be very difficult to reckon the evil that we know with the charisma that we see. Again, each of these characters is written to create a specific emotion in the viewer. And with each of these characters, it becomes an emotion that we experience alongside the main characters. We share the fury and frustration of Harry Potter. We share Sansa Stark's dread, and we experience the revulsion of the boys alongside them. This shared emotional experience is what makes these terrible characters so meaningful. It's why we love these characters. So where is my favorite place that I have seen this kind of writing recently? Well, it comes from a place you might not expect, and I want to talk about the second season of The Mandalorian and Cobb Vanth. And yes, spoilers will follow, so turn away now if you want to go into the second season unspoiled. And no, Cobb Vanth is not a villain. He does nothing to cause fear or revulsion in the viewer. In fact, he's pretty awesome and rather suave. But just in his actions, he connects the viewer to the immediate emotions of the Mandalorian. The imagery of Cobb Vanth silhouetted in the doorway of the Mos Pelgo Cantina in the poorly fitted armor of Boba Fett immediately just feels wrong. Insert endless memes of what you think your Boba Fett cosplay looks like versus what it actually looks like. And this couples so well with the mythical status of Boba Fett, this side character with an intense reputation and a huge following despite very little screen time. And as the viewer, we are immediately cued in that there is no way that this is the legendary Boba Fett. As a rule, I watch these episodes twice in a row if I can, or at least twice within a couple days. And while I watched this episode, I responded with an emotional reaction, like Mando, to seeing Timothy Oliphant in the armor. It felt wrong. I left my initial viewing of the episode disappointed. And as I started my second viewing of the episode, I realized this is exactly what the show writers had intended. It also makes seeing a scarred and aged Tamura Morrison, the actor who played Jango Fett, as well as all of the clones, that much more rewarding. The palpable disappointment of Cobb Vanth in the armor combined with the exciting tease of who is presumably a very alive Boba Fett creates a visceral reaction to the story. And this is the incredible power of this kind of storytelling. We become a part of it. We become characters in the narrative even if just for a moment. For my part, I hope we get to see this continue in the rest of The Mandalorian and in the broader world of pop culture. That's it for today's show. Comment below what your favorite characters are that you love to hate, and let's continue the conversation. If you enjoyed this video, hit the like button and make sure that you subscribe to this channel for more geek content. We will see you on the next show. See you later.